Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Anthony Miranda, Performance Manager for Al True Health Center, hosted by Joe Sawicki. My name is Joe Sawicki, and I am the host for the Samson Strength Coach Collective. I am happy to introduce Anthony Miranda. Uh, we were joking about last week uh, how long I've known Anthony, and uh, when I first met him, uh, my daughter was about four months old. And last week, she just finished her first semester of college. So uh, I've known Anthony for, uh, for a good portion of uh, a time, uh, about 18 years now. And uh, we get a chance to uh, introduce you to Anthony Miranda. Thanks for having me, Coach. Uh, I yeah. really appreciate it, right? Uh, it's Absolutely. good to, Always good to be on a podcast. Always good to be catching up with you. Uh, you know, I think everybody will hear through this podcast that you and I have not only known each other for 18 years, but we've, we've kept a really good relationship. Uh, I guess somewhat of a working relationship. I'm not one of your athletes anymore either. So you now it's, it's good. I'm grateful for it. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we can get into your background in a second here, but I just want to kind of give people a little bit of uh, perspective, right? So I've known Anthony since uh, he was a postgraduate student at Bridgeton Academy uh, back in Maine. Um, we've since both moved out to the Midwest, um, but uh, I want to talk, I wanted to give first kind of the next step of what he's done in his, he did in his life after he left Bridgeton Academy. He went to Springfield College, right? And um, I wanted to just kind of get into that real quick because one of the things that, that's, that I want to get a little perspective on is... Um, Springfield College has a ton of lore in far as far as the world of strength and conditioning goes. It um, it is uh, something that uh, you know the world of strength and conditioning is is kind of peppered with Springfield College graduates. Obviously, Tony is is one of those as well. And uh, before we kind of get into his time beyond Springfield College, I, I wanted to get a little bit of perspective into you know from 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 him what makes Springfield College the um you know the 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 kind of the it's it's basically kind of the uh the athens if you will of of strength and conditioning and you know what makes it so special okay so quick background uh went to went to Bridgeton academy uh played football got an opportunity to go to springfield college to play football and also uh, participate in in the major that I really wanted to get my degree in, which was exercise science. And the reason why Springfield was so appealing in the forefront is because I think the initial thought of being there uh, was because everybody played a sport and it didn't matter what sport you played, but it's a very athletic school. Uh, you know, I guess I don't even know if jock is even like, the proper terminology it's it's athletic it's a it's a good field of fitness it's you have classes called fit for life um you have classes that are tennis basketball but those classes aren't necessarily easy classes they're not easy electives to take you actually get coached on how to play 
Um, and in addition to that, you need to learn the rules and the dynamics of the game. So you get tested on all that. So I don't know. It's like, it's just a, it's a very fit school mentally and physically. And, uh, that's, that's the one thing that I can think of. I think looking back on it now, um, as a student there, you're very engaged, especially in the exercise science world. You're very engaged. You're with like-minded people who all participate uh, in health and wellness, and they all value what it does for the human body. Um, and uh, it's a very open-minded school, and I had a great experience. And, uh, you know, I'll always continue to talk about the experience I had at Springfield and great teachers, great coaches, and uh, great community. And then, so once you left Springfield College, now kind of yeah. fill in the gaps. Springfield, I, I always, uh, you know, I played football there for four years. I got, I got really hurt. And I, I say that um, because that ties into my entire background of why fitness is so important for me now. So I did. I got a very, very bad spine injury that turned into a worse spine injury as I grew older. And I feel like I need to say that because I feel like it can help out a lot of people. Um, and you know, we can tie that in after, but after Springfield, I always wanted to continue to work with football. So I got an internship at Boston college and then I got another internship at Boston college and it was either staying home as a Boston boy. Right. Uh, or, or it was actually going out to either Arizona state or Chicago, uh, to fulfill another internship role. And I decided, Hey, stay at BC. And I little did I know it was going to be a great experience with football only. Um, I interned with football only for my second internship, which which became my GA. And I learned a lot under Jason Lascalzo for the short amount of time that I was at Boston College from Boston College. And that those were the years of uh, 06, 07, 08, around that time period. So some, like I said, some really good athletes in the forefront of your career, really, really good team. Uh, great experience, especially being on the road. I got myself a special teams little position so I could travel where I just helped out with signals, made myself pretty versatile. And, uh, you know, I did a little bit more than just stock shakes and wear sweatpants and carry a shaker bottle. Right. <laughs> so after, after BC decided to leave, um, I linked up with coach Boyle. I did an internship for him while I was at Springfield. Mike and I never met. Uh, it was always Walter Norton and Bob Hansen, uh, co-owners at the time, uh, and linked back up with the Boyle family and, you know, got deep in that family until 2014. So spent a lot of time with Mike. I consider him a mentor. I consider him some type of relative to an extent. I don't know if it's a cousin or uncle, somebody who's, just you know, over you in a, in a positive way too. Uh, you know, guy that you know, if you do something right, you want him to praise you. If you do something wrong, you kind of say, "Oh no," right? And unfortunately, you know, I did some wrong stuff. I did a lot of right stuff too. But um, you know, like I said, the career in that in that Boyle family sustained until 2014. Um, while I was working for Mike, I was also the strength and conditioning coach at Boston University with, with men's ice hockey. And I had additional sports at the time too. I also worked with women's golf. And I, I also coordinated the internships for a little while as well. When you have a men's division one ice hockey team uh, to that caliber, a national contender every single year, um, that overshadows a little bit. 
Um, and that's not saying that that's the most important or whatnot, but uh, BU is a, is a big hockey school and had a job to do. And I had, I had some big shoes to fill. That was, that was Mike's former job. And uh, I really honed in on it and I, I, I committed. So after that, I, I decided to move. Uh, my fiance at the time, Monique, her and I met on a hockey trip in North Dakota in 2012, we, if Mike ever listens to this, I think he should feel somewhat responsible of uh, having me meet my wife, I guess, because Mike was the women's national team uh, trainer at the time for women's ice hockey for the Olympics in 2014. Monique and I kind of reunite, go out to dinner. Now we're married. We're about to have our second child, but I don't want to get too deep. Right. Uh, but, you know, Monique and I, man, we decided that, you know, I think that uh, there was a change that it wasn't completely needed coach, but I never really ventured out of out of Boston. Not that I never have been out of Boston, but career wise. And uh, Exos came about. Exos gave me an opportunity to work with them and to initially run a facility in the Midwest where my wife is from including my sister-in-law. So both Monique and Jocelyn and myself and a few other people became employed through a health system. And we ran a powered by Exos facility inside of that health system. And then I left North Dakota, took a job at the university of Minnesota Duluth for a short amount of time. It was a, like I said, short amount of time. I decided that, you know, being in the team setting compared to the private setting uh, might have not have been the right choice uh, with, having a wife and possibly starting a family, not saying that you can't do it. It's just for me. I said to myself, you know, thinking back on this, I think moving forward, I, I need to reestablish my career and figure out what I really want to do. And I think that's uh, going back into the private setting and be more of a, more of a hybrid. So that's where I am right now. And uh, I'm employed through a health system and I run uh, a 10,000 square foot facility in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And that's, that's my background. Those are the steps. I don't want to keep going. I don't want to, I don't want to bore you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all very interesting. Um, you know, and I think that, um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, that's, it's kind of the, the steps that, you know, every young strength coach kind of goes through and, um, you know, going through that, you know, I, I guess, you know, you know, everybody, you know, who, who works with, with Mike at some point, Mike Boyle, you know, kind of considers him, you know, the, their, you know, their, their godfather, so to speak. And talk a little bit about kind of the, the, you know, the philosophy and, and the mindset and all that comes from there, because I know that, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there, you know, that, you know, you, once you go through, either an internship or you've worked with him, you know, there's a lot of people that either rightly or wrongly kind of consider you one of Boyle's guys. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I want to talk a little bit about kind of where that all comes from and how that all kind of created the philosophy that you have right now. You know, coach, the, the whole, um, I think people in this field, you know, they, they, uh, they put, um, they put name dropping and they, they put their own perception on things like 
you know, oh yeah, well he worked for this guy. So he must be like that. Like we're, we're talking strength and conditioning, right? We're talking human performance. We're not on the uh, Iraqi front where, you know, we're, we're battling an enemy. Uh, we're all in a, in a group that has a huge commonality and that's for the betterment of the insert here. It's an adult client. It's an athlete. It's a kid. So Mike's philosophy, Mike, I don't even know if Mike really has a training philosophy I, and he could, he could argue that. Right. Um, but uh, Ron McKeefrey said it perfect on a course from Bet, Brett Bartholomew called valued. He said it perfectly. It's like, I don't have philosophy. I'm a principle based person. I'm going to find what works for this person, whether it's squatting on two feet or one foot whether it's pressing with two arms or one arm, and I'm going to create the best effective uh, movement for this person to create anatomical function or to maintain anatomical function. So, you know, I mean, Mike's program, it's a, it's a, it's your, it's your basic effective dosage program that gets people better because it restores or it creates better anatomical function. That's it, which in turn means it just makes sense. Uh, uh, just to create an example, it's just looking at, I don't know, it's looking at an overhead press. If, if that bicep isn't aligned with the ear, but E-A-R, okay, <laughs> still have a bit of an accent. Um, and if it's not a smooth overhead press and if that, that arm isn't at a full <laughs> lock of 90 degrees, then uh, why train a bad pattern? Why load a bad pattern? Let's, let's get it right. So that's, uh, that's, the, that's the way I look at um, Mike's Mike or MBSC or just functional training in general. That's, that's the way I look at training in general. Uh, I think fitness is a little bit different. Um, I look at the training as the mechanical portion of it. When I think fitness, I think of more of the holistic deal where fitness is getting people moving. It's the celebration of life. Um, it's getting a little bit deeper. It's intangibles that we can't really describe, but we, we might feel emotionally. Um, and we might feel mentally. So uh, that's, again, that's a, uh, that's a little bit of a deeper description, but Mike's program just makes sense. And it's taught me a lot about biomechanics. And I, I just sustain the principles that I learned at MBSC at Exos, right. As, and you apply the principles and you search for, you know, Hey, what's cutting edge or what's new or what are people doing right now? What's trending or what's being recycled. But at the end of the day, when it comes to principles, you stand like a rock you know, when it comes to style, you want to swim with the current, but it, you still want to go back to that rock. You got to find an anchor in your programming and um, it keeps us sane. It keeps us efficient. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I want to kind of segue that into, um, you know, kind of where you are now, right? So you, you did the thing at Boston University. You were at Boston College. You worked at uh, UN, uh, University of Minnesota Duluth for a little bit too. Um, you know what? What were the biggest challenges that you had going from a team sport where you know you're you're? I mean, obviously you have to create buy-in, but you kind of have a captive audience, so to speak, right? So, how do you do that? Go into the position where you are now, and um, you know, and kind of have to switch gears. I mean, you know, you talk about fitness being fitness, and you know functional training being functional training, but now you've got people that are, um, not necessarily being, you know, kind of fed to you, but you have to have, you know, you have to be able to, to, to give that, um, to them as they walk in the door. Um, you know, if you don't mind taking a minute just to kind of talk about, you know, how that's kind of changed your, your, 
your perspective? Yeah, my my perspective has changed because I've obviously I think it's changed because I've grown up. Uh, my perspective can't change unless I I, I grew. You know, I, your your first job, whether it's BC, you're you're a little GA, you're you know, I used to be a little meathead, and then I, I did. Uh, I used to lift, I and lift, and I, I need a lift, right? And it was it was so much fun. I'm working with football, and look at me, I'm on the sideline, I'm on TV, cool, like. At some point, I needed to grow out of that, and I didn't grow out of that until about 29, <laughs> maybe even 30. And I'll fully admit that. Uh, I think in order to have a larger perspective on whatever your audience is in this field, you need to grow up and realize that it's not about you. I, I, I wasn't. My lens wasn't like that in my 20s. It's sure as hell like that in my 30s. And people who hear this or who know me, like my my mindset, like I'm still the same kid at heart, right? Like this. There's certain things that are still the same about me, but I look at things and I read and I receive things a lot differently than I used to. And working with teams, it's about that team. It's about taking care of those kids at any time, pretty much of the day. You have to be available and adaptive. Uh, you can give, you know, Jack Eichel a hex bar deadlift or our hex bar squad, however you want to skin that cat. And you can give him a pull up and you can say, yeah, well, you know what? He's extremely strong and his stride levels out of control. And, but a length, but at the end of the day, like you're just, you're there to take care of him. You want to make sure that an athlete like that stays healthy and that he can produce on the first line every single night, where if you have a person who's coming in, who isn't playing, not getting any time on ice, then what do you do with them? And that's a larger conversation. Anybody can train a really, really good pro athlete. I mean, they're pretty easy to train. You give them a program, you make sure the program is fitting, and then you say, go, here if you need me. If you have somebody who needs to rededicate themselves to the weight room and they need to gain weight or they need to lose body fat, that's a, that's a different project. So you have to tap into that differently uh, from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint. Uh, and now taking the athlete out of the equation and looking at an adult client or an injured person coming back from surgery or just a, a, a typical weight loss client, those are three to four different lenses that you have to use too. And then you have to be a transactional coach, meaning you have to create a sale and then you have to be a transformational coach, meaning that you better get results or else you're not going to have another sale. So you tie in the financials, you tie in the marketing, you tie in the strength conditioning, or you tie in your fitness expertise, whatever you, again, whatever you want to call it. I think what's pretty savvy right now is performance. People are using performance a whole lot because it is fitting um, because everybody has to perform. And I could tell you, I have clients coach who are 25 years old in an adult group training class. And I got seven clients who are over the age of 70. And my 25-year-old is doing a hex bar, uh, hex bar pull off the ground. My 70-year-old is doing a band pull-through, but the pattern is very similar, just at a different range of motion, higher surface, lower surface, however you want to call it. Pregnant women working out who can't, you know, do not go over the limit of uh, eight uh, on an RPE scale. You can't exceed eight, right? Just using that as a barometer. And then I can't have you in a supine position because you're in your second trimester, you know, and I need you standing on your last phase and I need you pushing sleds instead of doing a bilateral squat now, because again, the range of motion is different. It's less stress on the pelvis. 
again, whatever, but I'm just explaining this because that's how my perspective has to change on a consistent basis. And it's different. It's different for an ankle. It's different for a knee, for a hip, for a shoulder, for a 70-year-old, for a 25-year-old, for an athlete, for an adult who just wants to get after it in the gym. It's all different. But being adaptable is the biggest strength that I can have. And I have to constantly refine that adaptability. Yeah, and I think that's kind of an understated uh, characteristic that I think that, you know, when, when, when young strength coaches are getting into the position and they, you know, that, you know, take for you as an example, you go to, you know, you're at Boston college, you do your Boston college thing. And unfortunately, <laughs> I think that, you know, the, the, the people that I've, I've come to contact with, especially kind of early in their career, that's who they are and that's what they know. And, you know, and, and I, I love the fact that you just said that, you know, adaptability is, you know, it, it, it took you a while to get there. Um, but, you know, for sure, you know, it's one of those things that I don't think that enough people, uh, you know, kind of keep that in the, in, in the forefront of their mind that, you know, you know, no matter where you are, you're going to have to adapt in some way, shape or form. You know, I, I, and I think it's just really cool that, you know, you went from working with, Lights shut off. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's really cool that you went from working with, you know, the, you know, the cream of the crop and the, <clears throat> at the NCAA level in ice hockey to, you know, working with, you know, 70 year olds, 25 year olds in a, in a fitness class, you know, uh, pregnant <clears throat> women, so on and so forth. I actually wanted to, to kind of talk to about that because, um, for those of you who, who follow Anthony, on social media, which if you don't, you definitely should, because he posts a lot, a lot of good stuff. Um, one of the things that I find really, really fascinating is your work with, with mm -hmm. pregnant women. And obviously it kind of hits a little closer to home with you right now, because you've got a wife and you've got a sister-in-law that you're both, that you're training both of them through. Um, you've already done it through one pregnancy. Now you're doing it through another. I, I, I just want to kind of get a little bit of the idea that, um, you know, you, you, You've kind of, I mean, I don't, you, I don't know where, the, where it's come from, whether you've developed it, whether, it, you know, you've, you've kind of taken it from other places, but I, I really think that, um, you know, that's one thing that, you know, it, as we talk about the, the world of strength and conditioning, you know, the first thing that pops into mind is, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Scott Cochran's of the world, the guys that are at the university of Alabama and Texas and Southern Cal and Clemson and all these guys that are at, you know, the big five power five football programs. Well, the world is way, way bigger than that. And, and I'm, I, I, I find it fascinating the work that you're doing with your wife, with your sister-in-law and how did that kind of came together for you? Well, I think when it comes to, learning how to modify and learning how to train people. And I'll, I'll go back to Mike. If, if people take the CFSC, the certified functional strength coach certification, that's, that's basically, that's our livelihood that we worked with at MBSC uh, because we learn how to train on the fly, whether it's a group of youth kids, whether it's a group of high school kids or a group of adults. And we need to know that, Hey, if this person can't bilaterally squat, then maybe we're going to go for a bilateral hinge. Right. And so on and so on. And again, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, take too long to answer your question. It's, it's modifying range of motion. It's 
finding fit in sequences that fit the individual. So when a woman's uh, pregnant, when a woman is pregnant and her, if her stomach is out to here, then, you know, her, her, she might have extra kyphosis in her lower back or lordosis in her lower back. Right. So I have to be able to continue to find that fit. I have to see if her spine is neutral in certain positions. I have to see if her shoulder range of motion is different because she's carrying basically X amount of weight in her midsection. Um, so that's what it really comes down to coach. It's, it's continuing to modify and adjust and adapt what fits the individual. Now you can screen somebody. There's plenty of screens out there now that, that are going to determine what movement efficiency is for somebody. Um, but at the end of the day, it's very simple to see a dynamic warm up. Okay. It's very simple to look at your basic squat, hinge, push, pull patterns and make a decision based off of that, or just simply observe and watch a training session. I know it sounds, Oh, it's so easy though. Yeah, it's easy, but I mean, I, I want to be really, really, really good at those simple measures. And that's exactly what it comes down to when you're training somebody who's pregnant or training somebody who's injured. And that brings me to kind of back to what you said earlier about the injury that you suffered while you were playing football. You know, kind of talk about how that has how that has influenced your perspective as well, because, you know, you said that it went from something bad to something worse. And now that's that plays a big part in, in how you approach your training as well. It does. It does. And the first thing I do, I had a herniated L4, L5 region in my in my in my lumbar. And it happened after a scrimmage uh, my sophomore year at Springfield. And I just woke up the next day with disc pain. And anybody who has disc issues knows that the pain is unbearable. And when that pain is unbearable, you go into a whole nother world, whether it's, you know, well, first off medicine, that that's one. Um, and then two, you just become significantly either anxious or kind of down a little depressed because you don't know how to exercise pain-free anymore. And that took me all the way up until uh, between 25 to 29 years old, I ended up having two back surgeries and I, I point the thumb, right? I'm not, thumb goes to me. I'm not, it's nobody else to blame, but me, uh, I didn't, I didn't listen or I didn't adapt to, oh, maybe I shouldn't squat uh, from a, from an axial standpoint anymore. Maybe I shouldn't load my spine anymore. But I didn't adapt. It's 25, I was fine, right? Or 29, you're fine. Well, my discs, discs ended up herniating even more. And I, I had a microdiscectomy in 2009. I had a microdiscectomy in 2013. And I had a hip, hip labral repair too in 2013. So it all sounds like a whole lot. Uh, I said after that last surgery, like, I think I need to make a change in my life. Yeah. So I did. And, uh, I started really, you know, just reading more and training in a different format and making sure that I was doing the right things. And there's a book by Brian, uh, not Brian, man, Stuart McGill called gift of injury. And, uh, my injury turned things into a gift. I became a better performance specialist because of it. Uh, I, you know, knock on wood, haven't had pain since 2000, the end of 2013. And I've just uh, adapted to new training regimens for myself. They're pretty boring, <laughs> but they're basic, they're simple. And, and my nutrition has changed a whole lot since then too. 
And, uh, you know, instead of a heavy squat now, maybe it's a heavy reverse lunge, two dumbbells loaded, or maybe it's a heavy sled push instead. Uh, but this is the best shape that I've personally ever been in. Uh, I feel way more fit mentally and physically and uh better person because of it. And uh, I can definitely take care of people that I work with as well. I, being a life-changing professional is pretty much, I think, what defines all of us at the end of the day. And because of that injury, I feel like I can be a life-changing professional. Uh, kind of explain that a little bit deeper. Yeah, sure. I, I, I think I can bring a sense of empathy to people who do have back pain okay. and who, you know, are go, going through whether you call it suffering or whether you call it an unfortunate situation. But some people don't know how to train uh, when they suffer an injury like that. But some people don't know how to train when they suffer an injury, period. And I believe that I have the emp empathy and I have the a drive to show them the way. And in, like, again, instead of, Hey, you know what? We don't have to load your spine. We can do this. We can, uh, we can bottom load this instead and put a mini band around your ankles to engage your glutes more. And this might feel that uh, this might uh, create a little less pressure for your lower back. Those are the conversations that I get to have. So if I get to have those conversations and I can install the right training regimen for those people, and I can show them that their injury isn't going to compromise them, but it's actually going to help them become in better shape Then I'm a life changing professional. I believe that they believe that that's what defines me. Mm -hmm. And so, all right, just kind of segue into um, another question. So um, someone walks in the door, how do you create that initial buy-in with them? How do you, you know, kind of, I mean, it's, 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 it's obviously pretty clear how you continue to engage them and how you continue to, you know, kind of that, you know, that become that, that transformational coach, you know, but how do you, how do you first do that transactional coach? Call it a strategy session. And what we do is we strategize for about 45 minutes. Uh, actually, you're talking about you and the person that you're with, right? Yep. Just give them a little, little lifestyle questionnaire. Okay. And, uh, Microsoft word and <laughs> basically <clears throat> take them through six to seven questions, uh, about their nutrition, three to four questions about their family and job. And then likes and dislikes of exercises, you know, like, what do you, what do you really like about exercise? And then what do you, what do you effing hate? <laughs> right. And then in addition to that, no, I'm not supposed to swear. Um, and then in addition to that, do you have any aims? I don't, I don't say, I don't say the word goals a whole lot. Uh, I just, I feel like I've been goal setting for like 36 years now, you know, that's what you hear everybody say. So I just say aim, you know, aim, like, what are you aiming at? Like, what, what are you, what are you trying to get to? And that acronym that I use, I mean, I wrote an article on it, but and that's it. And it creates a really good conversation. It does. Uh, in the Midwest, what helps me out, coach, is uh, um, my accent kind of ties people in. So <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world having a Boston accent in North Dakota. <laughs> uh, it's a little it's a little tinted, um, but I'm just joking. I'm just trying to get a little bit of a smile, too. But I think sitting down and just really, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to know the person. I just had a father and a son sign up for semi-group uh, private training which we're doing a lot of now because of the virus. And uh, 
it's a pleasure training them, but I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't have been able to train the 15 year old son and the 56 year old father without getting to know them first. Mm. The father told me I hate burpees. Oh, sir, you're never going to have to do a burpee again as well. You know, as long as you're in here, you're never going to have to do a burpee again. And you know, you just try to find out those little things. That's just being a person. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I guess, um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I do want to kind of touch upon is that your program is, you know, is not completely different than, you know, what you might find at a collegiate level. I mean, you have a staff, you work collectively with um, healthcare providers, you work uh, collectively with dietitians, you know, kind of t- talk about how you, you, you've been able to tie all of those things together. <laughs> The best way to tie those together is just having an open mind, making sure that uh, you understand what the what a continuum of care is about. <laughs> Meaning that, well, you know, the philosophy, whatever you have on the floor, it might need to change for a person who is 75 years old, right? Uh, might need to change for a person who's 12 years old or who's 15 years old. You know, a PT, an AT, and a doctor, us as performance specialists, performance dietitians, it's very easy to all speak uh, differently, but it's very easy to all be on the same page. Doctor wants the person to get better. Okay. Here's my checklist. I got to send them to the next professional that's most, you know, that's closest to I. Okay. And then how do we communicate from there? So it's a line of communication. I think sometimes what disrupts that line of communication is, is egos. Uh, And that, that does get in the way at times, but it's not, it's not just for a performance specialist. You got egos there, but you've got egos in the PT and doctoral setting too. No bigger ego than a doctor. (laughs) Okay. Or, or, or a PT too. They think that, you know, well, I did this and this is end all be all. That's not the case either. Like I know that we might not have those degrees, but at the same time, I feel like we're very educated in here to also come up with our own opinion. Uh, so lines of communication, trying to empathize, put yourself in other people's situations and just know that you'll never know it all. <laughs> never. So very, uh, uh, I'll always admit that too, right? I can always learn and I try to continue to learn. I think that's the best, I think that's the best answer for it too. And it's, it's just genuine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't really, can't really BS that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. So now talk about the continuum, right? So, you know, how does, does your system work both ways in terms of, you know, you're being able to help educate the people mm-hmm. that you work with you know, like I said, you work with ATs and PTs and doctors and, you know, and all these other healthcare providers, you know, how have you been able to kind of provide your own, you know, kind of footprint, so to speak on the, on the the organization that you're working with? Yeah. I think a health system in general is always going to say, how do we keep it in the health system? How do we funnel back? How do we funnel forward? Uh, Cool thing about a performance program like this is the goal goal for them i'm not i'm calling it a goal because they call it a goal uh is to to you know independently uh receive clientele from physical therapy mm. and 
And that's, that's a continuum of care, returning them or integrating them into performance for life. Uh, from the doctor and the PT or AT standpoint, they're trying to get them to a point where they can integrate into their own life again and not need them anymore. And you deal with insurance-based, uh, we're cash-based. So you deal with that. Uh, I think the missing link is that how, to, how do you link those? And that's always a, you know, that, that's, a, that's a gray area. And that's not in my forte because I don't, I understand it coach, but it's not, it's not my role to try to create that model where insurance based or what and vice versa. Yeah. But it is, it's getting these people to a point where, and the continuum is this, like from the hierarchy, from the construct is getting these people to a point where they can independently salvage for themselves. And that links to training that links to fitness and fitness again it's the celebration of life that you can you're able to move again so what are you going to do what are you going to do with it but uh that's also an accountability factor on the individual and we can only do so much so i guess that kind of you know to kind of come full circle right you know i mean uh you're working you know with with the you know the the hockey team at boston university not every one of those guys is going to play professional hockey you know, no. so, you know, the, the, I guess the idea kind of falls into the same line, right? How do you get these guys to be, you know, kind of self-motivated to continue their fitness through the rest of their life? And that, you know, that was one of my favorite things about working at BU and Duluth. The guys who didn't play as much, the guys who, or the women too, we just created an awesome program for them to stay fit to stay healthy and to motivate yep. them. Hey, this, this health and wellness is going to hopefully become a habit for you and not a burden down the road because, because you met somebody like me. Right. Cause I helped you. Cause I helped you adopt that lifestyle to an extent. So, you know, I, th I think, again, it goes back to being a life changer professional. Uh, if I, if health and wellness becomes a habit instead of a burden that I, I think I did my job. <laughs> Yep. I think I did yeah. for an athlete, for an adult, doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, but we're, you know, not even getting, there's no political attached to this, but our country right now, we, we, we have a lot of people who um, are obese, you know, and you see, you see kids who are obese and I see it right now. And it, I would really like to just encourage more movement and a little bit of better health style whether it's a lifestyle rather, whether it's eating or moving more, whatever it is, but you don't want to see anybody um, break down and be compromised because they didn't, they didn't take care of themselves the best they could, but people need to be educated with that too. So. Okay. So um, I want to talk, I want to totally switch gears here. I want to talk a little bit about your, about your work with the, the Boston university hockey team. Okay. So now, um, one of the things that, that, I mean, I've been really blessed with in, in my career has been the opportunity to interact with some coaches. And I think that that's one of those things that I don't think people take seriously enough I, is the opportunity to, to sit in on meetings, to be able to talk, you know, about the, you know, coaching philosophy with, you know, guys that, you know, at the, are at the top of their game and, you know, you were, you know, where you were in the same place as, you know, one of the, the, the greatest college hockey coaches in, in, in NCAA history. You know, what are some of the takeaways that you got working with coach Parker? 
Well, <laughs> first off, I spent the whole flight with him coming back from Denver. So what I, what I did find out about him right away is he loved movies. Um, so I, I knew right away with coach Parker, if I ever engaged in a conversation, I better know every single detail about that subject. Cause he caught me on something <laughs> and I forgot the line. I forgot something from the movie raging bull. Okay. <laughs> and he said in the line and I kind of looked at him like, huh? He's like, you know what I'm talking about or no? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right. So <laughs> my feet were in quicksand there. But um from Coach Parker, it was it was it was details. Details were I, I guess number one, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And and work hard. I I spent I was there for two years uh, with Coach Parker. That first year, I was there pretty much part-time with Mike. On uh, the second year, I was full-time on my own. Uh, so he was a great guy to be around. His him his image was spectacular, especially being from Massachusetts. You feel pretty cool sitting with him, right? But a great man who was very detail-oriented, who cared about the game of hockey, who cared about his players, and... Another big takeaway with Coach Parker is that he really cared about his family. And I saw him get to interact with his family firsthand, and it made me very happy. Loved his grandkids, daughters. So is it was pretty cool to see. You know, because uh, I'm not going to lie to you, I was scared of him. <laughs> he, didn't talk to me a whole, he didn't talk to me a whole lot. Then he started talking to me, and I realized, okay, this, this is good. You know, um, when, he, when he retired, um. It was a huge deal around BU. Oh, yeah. But it gave me a chance to really get close to another guy. And I love Coach Quinn. I always will. He's one of the greatest guys I ever met. And uh, I got really close to him over those years. So I can dive into Coach Quinn, too. But Yeah, you know, no, go ahead. I think that's, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, that's Coach, a good... Coach, Quinn, I, Coach Quinn was a younger coach who, right? Uh, you know, he – his style, uh, it was definitely similar to Coach Parker's, but what I took away from Coach Quinn was you can be fair, F-A-I-R. You can be fair to your players, but you can also be demanding. Um, you can also be demanding, but you can also be fair. And Coach, uh, Coach Quinn was a very polished speaker, and he could take words, whether they were negative or positive, and he could just make them sound even more positive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, his his tempo was very upbeat. Uh, he was a he was a huge asset in my life because he was a coach who valued fitness. Okay. He's a very fit man. He still is a fit man. He's the head coach for the New York Rangers, and uh, he took fitness seriously. So the weight room to him, uh, it was it was this it was this room where you know, things needed to really go well. And he was in there and he was in there all the time, whether it was hanging out, having a cup of coffee or he was getting his own workout in. But the, the vibe was just great with him around. The morale was great with him around. And, uh, did you find it intimidating with him around as much as he was? Not at all. Okay. Not one bit, not one bit. If anything, he, he helped me a lot. Uh, he did. He, he polished me up a lot. I think, uh, becoming a, a better coach especially in the last year before I moved, he, he was always interested in the things that I was doing. He was always asking me questions. He was always asking me what I needed. So he, he uh, took a lot of interest in me 
And when you're, when you're a guy in a leadership role like that, and, and me, I was, I was 29, I was still, I'm 36 now, but um, at my age, I wasn't overly young, but still I'm looking at him going, wow, this guy really cares about me. I want to make sure I'm taking care of this team as best as I possibly can to the nth degree. Cause I have the head coach's support too. And a lot of that probably has to do with, he knows what my background was, you know, he knows I worked for Mike. Um, he knows that if I was under that roof at a Gannis, that Mike isn't just going to throw somebody in there. It's not going to help somebody just get that job. I mean, I, I obviously did something well enough to, to have that role. But I cared about BU, Coach. I cared about BU so much. And I, I still do. I miss that job very much, and I always will. So I can tell by the sound of my voice that there's always a little bit more passion there than anywhere. Mm-hmm. Or fire or whatever you call it. So, so I guess, um, yeah, I guess so – I do want to talk kind of on the, on the backside of that. Um, I know, you know, and I don't want to talk poorly about anybody. Um, so, but I do know that your experience at, at UMD was quite a bit different. And I want to talk about some of the challenges that you had there in terms of, uh, you know, as a, as a professional, um, just, just kind of as a, um, as kind of a life's tale type of a thing. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, and I'm not a, you know, I've, it was no one like, I would never say anything bad about anybody either. I think the, the construct there uh, was I was overseen by a head athletic trainer. At, at BU, I wasn't. So there was a big difference there. The head athletic trainer in BU and I had an unbelievable relationship. I mean, he busted my chops nonstop. But <laughs> I mean, that's the only way I knew he liked me. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Larry there. If you have a, I don't even know if he listens to podcasts, but um, it was different at Duluth. Uh, the individual was my, was my boss essentially. Um, so weren't the two head coaches, but I had to report to my boss. Uh, she was in charge. She was there for a long, long time at Duluth still is. Um, and I just, you know, I, I don't know. Didn't feel as welcome, I guess. Uh, felt distant every now and then. A student, one of the student coaches would come in and say, Hey, this person can't go on the ice. So this person shouldn't do, you know, no deadlifts, no lunges, no squats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I felt like just because that was said, um, you know, the athlete intercepts that or perceives that as, well, I can't do any of these lifts. So to me, eh, you know, ruffles feathers and not, it's not the right way to go about things. And it's not a holistic model. Hey, I don't want him specifically putting unilateral strain on that kneecap. So Anthony, do you have three or four different exercises that we could experiment with instead that maybe we can, we can optimize his injury, but that would take work. And the other problem I have with that is that I've never seen the people who are in the positions to make the decisions on how to put somebody back on the ice. They don't train. They don't go through these movements. They don't, they don't understand uh, what it's like to maybe be over a dumbbell or under a buffer in a certain amount of time. So it's hard for me to have to say, okay, yeah, that that's fine. But I've never seen you in the weight room before. Not, not once. 
it's like taboo if they come in and that's not the case. That's not what I wanted. I could have stayed there and tried to create that. And probably over time I would have gotten that, but I don't know. I just didn't want to deal with it. I wasn't dealing with it before. Maybe I didn't adapt well enough either. Right. It's probably didn't probably could have changed things a little bit, but it's also at a different point coach where he's a little older. Um, had two teams and I said to myself, I feel like I can make more money somewhere else too. So, but just to say on that topic about the model, that was my experience. Uh, it's just wasn't holistic. Like it should have been. Mm-hmm. And again, not just pointed fingers, like no. maybe some, me too. Right. Like, right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of value. Um, you know, like I said, it, it, and as, as sort of like a life lesson type of a thing here in terms of, you know, there's, there's a model that fits for everybody. And I think, you know, once you've, you've kind of been through, you know, I I honestly think, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to make that kind of assumption off of, you know, one or two positions, especially if you've found them and you really, really like it. And it's, you know, you know, everybody kind of, I feel like somebody has to go through something that they don't like in order to really appreciate what they do like, you know? So, um, yeah. I agreed. Uh, and, and I'm that type of person. I'm that personality too. I have to do things five times wrong in order to get it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes those lessons are really, sometimes those lessons are really hard. Uh, sometimes you shrug your shoulders and you say, it could have been worse. I know mm-hmm. that. I know that if for me to sustain a successful career and to continue to do so, I think a hybrid type of coach and we've talked about this. I think a hybrid type of coach is in my forte because I like to roam. I like to be free. I still like training athletes. I have an awesome high school hockey team from Minnesota that I love training the boys, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, the boys, the boys are in the way. <laughs> then I have a female team from Minnesota. The ladies are here. They're working hard. They're pushing weight. They're having fun. They got different. They have different aims than the men do but it's, it's synchronized. It's a, it's a good environment. And then you have my ageless group. When I say ageless, that's a 70 plus group, right? Mm-hmm. Who are squatting, deadlifting, carrying things, moving around in a, in a non-friction environment. And then I have adults who are training for life. It's a great deal. It's, it's fitness at its best and they're different vessels and you're becoming a life-changing professional throughout those different vessels. And, you know, I, I really appreciate it. And fitness is a big part of my life and it's, it's helped my back pain and it's helped my life. And my wife and I both value it very much and health and wellness is a, I think it's a great uh, light to shine upon other people. Uh, no. And I totally agree. And I think that the way that you just framed it right there, I think it, it it's, it, you know, if I was, if I was a young professional kind of looking into the field going, ah, do I want to go to the private sector? Do I want to go, you know, school club, you know, pro all of that. Um, you know, the, the way that you just painted it right there, it sounds really, really cool. The fact that you get to spend your time working with people of all different backgrounds and you, you know, you, you still get to do the, the team training, you still get to do that. But at the same time you get to, you know, kind of, you know, take a step to the side and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to work with this, you know, this somebody who's coming back from an injury so that they can appreciate, you know, how to, to stay healthy and how to minimize, you know, problems down the road. Um, I think that's awesome. And, and actually that was, that kind of was 
one of the, the, the last questions that I had was, you know, how, you know, what you, what you see into your future. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, uh, so I'm going to kind of take another route here and ask you, you know, a couple of questions off of, off of the script here. Uh, the, the, one of the things that I wanted to, 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 to kind of give the, the people that are listening to this is, you know, so you've been through it, you've been through all of the models, you've, you've kind of gone, you know, one direction, uh, you know, with the college route, you've been in the one direction with the, the private group. Um, what, you know, kind of looking at your career, you know, what would you say the pluses and minuses are giving for young strength coaches coming up? Um, what advice do you have? I said this on a podcast before coach McKeefrey always give full disclosure. Don't, um, don't bite the hand that feeds you. So you got to appreciate your mentors. You got to realize that they were you once and you need to listen up more and really respect uh, the territory that they've provided for you. That's number one. So give full disclosure. Even if you feel like you did something wrong, just say that you did it wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, so that, that's a hard lesson that I learned. And I'll always, I'll say that coach, I'll say that on every podcast in the next 40 years, 50 years. Okay. Give full disclosure. Cause if not, it's going to bite you in the ASS. And, uh, number two, um, it'd be just that I know people say never stop learning. Don't stop learning, but find what you want to commit yourself to learning. Uh, for find the learning commitment that you want to commit yourself to. So you, you're never going to be a jack of all trades because then you end up becoming a master or not. So what are you interested in? And then dedicate yourself to it. Me, I've turned, like, I've turned my, uh, I've changed lanes. I am just looking at fitness and what it's doing now mentally and physically for people. And how can I help people through exercise? Not just Verkachansky's, you know, books or Franz Bosch's books, not, not saying that that stuff isn't important. That's for the practical application. That's great stuff to know, but I'm not going to sit here and do a four year macro cycle and have this great planner. I've become a better performance specialist because of the adaptability, adaptable programming plan, plan for the absolute worst. Right. And then <laughs> way up because that's exactly what happens. It's a chaotic environment whether it's a team or an adult group or even personal training. Uh, and I just, I think the, the big, that's, that's number two. Number three is this stay in shape, stay fit. And that doesn't mean a six pack and an artificial tan. Doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. It means staying fit to support what your body needs. Okay. And that can be, that can be anything. It doesn't have anything to do with looking the pot. It has to do with make sure you're moving well, make sure you're understanding what you're giving to people and make sure you understand how it feels. Uh, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, if we, if we exercise, right, <laughs> exercise, you never regret it when you do it. You always regret it when you don't. And that's going to, that's going to keep you sharp. It's going to keep your head on a swivel. So staying healthy is a very, very big deal. And then I guess lastly, you know, we're kind of wrapping up on time here. You know, is, is there anything that, um, that, that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? I think to put the cap on the bottle coach. Yeah. 
these facilities in the country, a performance facility, a place like the one I work at, a place like Mike's, uh, and we can name them all, right? It'll take forever. Community. Community is everything. Where you work, it's community. That's the best part about anybody's job. It's community. It's waking up saying, hey, you know what? I can't wait to see these people today. I can't wait to get these people better. Maybe I'm spending a holiday party with them, right? Or maybe we have a, a, a when the time is right, a, a gathering. Not now, <laughs> not lately. But when the time is right, we're having a gathering to celebrate, you know, everybody's effort, everybody's commitment to the gym, everybody's, you know, way of life that we're all having a commonality of being fit. That's, that's my favorite part about it. So if somebody gets into this field, you know, what type of community that do you want to create around yourself? What type of community that I guess you want to belong to, you know, at the end of the day, like we all want to have a meaningful life. And a lot of that has to do with the positive community. So that's, that's what, that's what, uh, fitness, uh, that's how fitness relates to my life too. And I, you know, I hope everybody can find that meaning. Great finish. Coach, I want to thank you for taking the time out today. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing this. This is the first time I've ever done this, and, and I couldn't think of somebody better to, to do this with. I, I, you know what? I enjoy it, too, and it's, uh, it's fun. You know, I've, I've, I've known you since I've been a kid, so it's, uh, <laughs> said you, you said it comes full circle, right? Yes, it does. It most certainly does. Thank you for your time, and I hope people enjoy it. Absolutely.